Our scripture reading today comes from John 16, starting in verse 25 to the end of the chapter. These are the words of Jesus. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father in heaven, We pray now as we attend to the words of our Lord Jesus that uh, we would come to understand your heart. We pray that you would send uh, your spirit, the spirit of truth to us, that um, we would know the truth about who you are and that our, our minds and hearts would not be filled with lies, but that we know that you are the God of infinite and eternal love. And um, Lord, we long to know that love deep in our hearts. And we pray that you would teach it to us now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over the past couple months, we have been uh, studying what's called the Upper Room Discourse. It's uh, the few chapters of teaching on uh, the night before Jesus' uh, crucifixion and where he uh, meets with his disciples and he speaks intimately to them about who God is. And you know, as you read through the Bible and uh, you read through the Old Testament, you you learn about a lot about what God does. You know, God rescues a, a nation of, of slaves out of Egypt. You know, God creates the universe and God uh, gives laws that, that care for the poor and for the for the marginalized and and uh, and God is patient and he's faithful and he forgives the sins of his people but it's not until Jesus comes and that we really get a glimpse into the inner life of who God is it is through Jesus that we come to enter into the mystery of who God is and in these chapters that we've been studying in, in John, uh, especially John 14 uh, to 16, uh, the mystery that we discover about God is that he is one God who exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and uh, the Holy Spirit. If you could get into the inner life of who God is, that is what you would find, this community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. 
And as we've gone through these chapters, of course, we've learned about Jesus, about what it means to abide in Jesus and to, to walk with him. And we've had two sermons uh, on the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about the Son. We've talked about two sermons on the Holy Spirit. And today we're talking about uh, the, the person of the Trinity that we haven't really focused on yet. And that is the Father. And to be a Christian means that you have God as your Father. And the reason that we need this teaching so badly, having God as our Father, is that our earthly fathers were uh, supposed to act like surrogates to us uh, for our true Father who's in heaven. And so our earthly Father was supposed to be loving and, and protective and a teacher, and an encourager, and one who carefully and graciously disciplines us. And, and above all, our earthly father was meant to be present with us. And it was supposed to be that, you know, when we experience the presence of a strong and loving father in our lives, it tells our hearts deeply that everything is going to be okay. And so as a child, you were supposed to look to your earthly father. And as you grew up, those qualities in him were supposed to train your heart to trust in your true father, who is your father in heaven, your creator, as you were passed on from the surrogate to, to, to walk with and trust in him. But what happens when uh, your earthly father wasn't those things? Uh, maybe he was harsh or... He was indifferent to you, or he was undependable, or even he was absent. He wasn't present. All these things teach our hearts things that aren't true about God. Our Father was supposed to be a picture to us of what God was like, and they often gave us a picture that was a lie. And that means that if you are a disciple of Jesus, one of the most important parts of your spiritual life will be relearning what the word father means. One of the most important parts of your spiritual life will be relearning what the father means. And that's why this passage that we're studying and passages like it are so important. And so what does Jesus teach us about the love, the heart of our true father who is in heaven? And well, today I want to point out three things for us from this passage. And this is what they are. That the Father's love is in the cross. The Father's love is in how he listens to us. And the Father's love is in our faith, not our works. Three just profound truths. That the Father's love is in the cross of Jesus. That the Father's love is in how he listens to us. And the Father's love is in our faith, not our works. So three important parts in training us who is our Father who's in heaven? And the first point is this, that the Father's love is in the cross. Jesus begins this passage by saying something that's really interesting. You see there in verse 25, he says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. What is... Uh, Jesus talking about here. Well, he's been uh, speaking in figures of speech, but then there will be this hour where he will talk plainly about the Father. What is this hour? Well, I think the clue uh, comes from understanding that word that throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus' hour is the hour of his death, 
the hour of his crucifixion. And you can see that he even talks about uh, his death that way, the hour that way later in this passage. If you look down to verse 32, he says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. And so Jesus, that when's, when are all Jesus' disciples going to be scattered and go to their own home and leave, and leave him alone? It's when he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross alone. And what this tells us is that the way that Jesus is going to tell us plainly about the Father's love, we're going to see most clearly who our Father is, is in the cross. It's in Jesus' death and, of course, and in his resurrection. It's in the cross that we see the limitless love of God for broken sinners like us. And I'll tell you why this is important. There, there's a fabulous book that I read several several years ago by Sinclair Ferguson. It's called The Whole Christ. And it's a book that's really about the kind of atmosphere of a church's life, the tone, the mood of a church, and that so much of the atmosphere of a church actually communicates to us the very heart of who our father is. You know, it's very much like our earthly fathers, you know, that so much of how we, our impression or experience of our earthly fathers is kind of the mood of the home that we grew up in. And one of the things that uh, Sinclair Ferguson brings up in this book is the question, why did Jesus die on the cross? Because when Jesus died on the cross, it was, the wrath of God was poured out on him against sin. And, and that the only way we can have God's forgiveness is because of Jesus' death on the cross for us. And so when we believe that about the gospel, it's a very subtle step to then to believe that the reason that the Father sent his Son to die for us is because really deep down the Father is angry with us. And that the only way that he can come to love us is if he is, his kind of love is bought with the love of Jesus. But it can cause us to think that, you know, really deep down, God is frustrated with us. God is angry with us. God um, is reluctant to give us his grace and his forgiveness. And Jesus in this passage says that that view of God is absolutely dead wrong. Uh, the father didn't send Jesus because he's angry with us. He sent his son because he amazingly loves sinners. Actually, what's the most famous verse in the whole Bible? It says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever uh, believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You see that it brings two different visions of God. Is God really deep down angry with us or does God deep down really love sinners? And this is the way that uh, Ferguson puts it. He says, the subtle danger here should be obvious. If we speak of the cross of Christ as the cause of the love of the Father, we imply that behind the cross and apart from it, he may not actually love us at all. He needs to be paid a ransom price in order to love us. But if it has required the death of Christ to persuade him to love us, Father, if I die, Will you begin to love them? How can we ever be sure the Father himself loves us deep down with an everlasting love? True, the Father does not love us because we are sinners, but he does love us even though we are sinners. He loved us before Christ died for us. It is because he loves us that Christ died for us. That is exactly 
what Jesus is saying here. You will see plainly the heart of the Father, his love for sinners, when, I, when, he, when Jesus goes to the cross. The Father's love is in the cross, not his anger. And I want us to feel how different uh, a faith is that believes that our, our Father has a limitless love for sinners versus a Father who's deep down angry with us and will only love us if he's paid off with blood. These are two radically different visions of who God is. And the church is, is, a house, is the household of the Father. And it's just like, you know, our, our homes now, the mood of the home, it often comes from the mood of the Father. You know, if the Father is, is angry and critical, the whole family is on edge. It's the same in the church. You will feel in the mood of our community which kind of Father we have. And John Owen points this out in his book on, on communion with God, that some people think they are honoring God by saying that he is hard or austere, severe, almost implacable and fierce. These are all the very worst qualities of the worst men that are hated by God, the people that we like the least, and we think that we are honoring God by saying that he is like them. Think of the most holy and godly people that you respect most in your life. Are they deep down angry people? Do you think God is honored by us thinking of him that way, comparing him to the people that we like the least? So first, the Father's love is in the cross. The Father sent Jesus, not because he's angry with us, but because he loves us and he wants to rescue us and he wants to save us from our sin because we are his beloved children. And it's when we have this distorted understanding of our father, it makes us think that there is a reluctance in him to love us and to be generous to us. And so that leads to the second point that I want to make about our the, about the father's love is that the father's love is in how he listens to us. The father's love is in how he listens to us. And again, look at the surprising words Jesus says about the father in this passage. In verse 26, he says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the father on your behalf. This is a strange thing. Jesus says, I'm not saying that I'm going to pray for you. But we know in other places of the Bible that it does say that Jesus intercedes for us. He does pray for us. Actually, in the very next chapter in John 17, it's called the High Priestly Prayer. Jesus uh, says that uh, Jesus prays for his disciples, a whole chapter of prayer for the church and for, the, uh, for his disciples. And so why does he say here, I, I do not say to you uh, that I, I will ask the Father on your behalf? I think it's because of what he says next in verse 27. For the Father himself loves you. Jesus says, honestly, I don't even need to pray for you. The Father himself loves you so much. He wants to hear from you himself. And, and, and he's already generous for you. He knows what he wants to give you. His hand is open to you that I don't even need to pray for you because he loves you so much. And so it's the same thing as the first point. It's not just Jesus who loves sinners and wants to, them to have forgiveness through the cross. The Father loves sinners. And it's not just Jesus who listens to our prayers. It's the Father who listens to our prayers and is generous with us. And one of the things that keeps us at a distance from our Father is that we believe that he is reluctant 
to be kind and generous to us. And we think about prayer as we, you know, we have to have all this religious emotion and piety that maybe we can open God's grip to get him to do what we ask. We don't think of him as a loving father who loves to give good gifts to his children, who loves when they come and, and, and they ask him for what they need. And you know, I, I should note that the Apostle Paul says that the central problem of all of humanity is that we have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. This is in Romans chapter 1. We've exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent deceived our, our first parents, the lie that he convinced them was that the father was not good. He was stingy. He was selfish. He was not generous. And this is what it says in, in Genesis 3, that the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You hear the suggestion of stinginess. He doesn't want you to have any of the good fruits that are in the garden. And did God say something like that? The answer is no. He didn't say anything close to that. He said, you can eat of all the trees in the garden except for the one. And I don't want you to eat of it because in the day you do eat of it, you will die. But I've given you all these fruit trees and I've given you this beautiful place to live in this world to live in. I've given you my love and I come and I walk among you. This is, goes back to what we said at the beginning of the sermon. For many of us, being a Christian means relearning what the word father is supposed to mean. It's fighting against the lie that the Father doesn't love you. And I want you to reflect for a moment. Think about your prayer life. Why do we not pray? What things come to mind that keep us from praying? Well, we think things like, you know, it probably won't make any difference. God is going to do what he wants to do. It doesn't really matter how we feel about it. He, uh, and the root of that is that the Father doesn't really care about you. He cares about himself. He doesn't care about how you're feeling or what you're going through. He doesn't want to hear from you. He doesn't want to listen to you. Or maybe you think, you know, I haven't read my Bible enough or prayed enough, so he's going to hold that against me. He's not going to answer my prayers until I, until I do more religious stuff. The root of that is that we think that the Father is judgmental and he's resentful and he's extremely hard to please. He's a stern religious father. Those are all lies. Jesus says here, I don't even need to pray for you because the Father himself loves you so much. He loves to hear from you. He knows what you need. He wants to be generous to you. And the fact that God wants you to talk to him about whatever anxiety you are facing in your life means that he's also a father who wants to know you. You know, that's an important thing that our earthly fathers are supposed to do. They're supposed to know us. And maybe your father did want to know you. Maybe your father didn't, your earthly father didn't want to know you. What lies do you believe about God as your father? Jesus wants you to know here that your father loves you. You are his child. He's devoted to you. He wants good things for you. He listens to you and he wants to know you. And I think that uh, this raises uh, another question associated with fathers because one of the deepest questions we look uh to our fathers to answer is, do you approve of me? And some of you have felt that, that deeply uh, about your earthly father and deeply wanted their approval. Uh, maybe you felt that you did have your earthly father's approval. Maybe you didn't. 
Does God our Father approve of us? Again, this passage has a really interesting answer to that. And so that, that's going to be our third point. So what we've said so far is that the Father's love is in the cross. The Father is a friend to sinners just as Jesus is a friend to sinners. He sent Jesus because he loves sinners. And second, the Father's love is in, in how he listens to us. Jesus doesn't even need to pray for us, though he does pray for us because the Father loves us so deeply and wants to hear from us and wants to know us. But third, the Father's love is in our faith and not our works. Our Father in heaven's love for us is in our faith and not our works. And you see that there in verse 27, Jesus says, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Jesus says the Father loves you because you love Jesus and, and have believed in him. Now, this is an interesting verse because on the one hand, the Bible seems uh, in other places seems to reverse it. This says, because you love Jesus, the Father loves you. But in 1 John 4, it says, we love because God first loved us. God first loved us and then we responded in love. So it's true that God's love comes before our love. But I do think this... Uh, I do think this is telling us uh, there is something in us that delights our Father in heaven. And I think this is so important because there's a dilemma that we face in our relationship to our fathers. You know, on the one hand, if our, if our father's love is based on our performance in life, it may never feel like uh, we have his approval. Some of you may feel that about your earthly fathers, that even when you had some accomplishment in life, it never seemed like enough. And you wish, I wish I didn't have, I wish I didn't feel like I had to earn my father's approval. And the good news is that here Jesus says that the father's love does not come from us doing a bunch of good work, you know, praying enough, serving God enough, knowing your Bible well enough to earn God's approval. When we were in Christ by faith, we share in the approval that the Father has for his Son, Jesus. We receive it as a gift simply by believing. We don't have to do a bunch of good works. We simply trust. It's a gift of grace. But on the other hand, I've, I've talked to people who've, who've said to me, I understand that God loves me because uh, Jesus died for my sins. And so since he loves Jesus, he loves me also. But does God really like me? If I'm still sinning every day, is there anything in me that gives God delight? And so you see the dilemma. I don't want my approval, God's approval to be based on me earning it, but I also want him to delight. You know, I want something in me to delight him. Well, this verse uh, struck me this week. I hear Jesus says, the father delights in your faith. And so, so many of you might say, oh, you know, I'm struggling with so many sins and I feel like I, I failed to honor God in my whole life. How could he have any delight in me? But let me ask you this one thing. Do you believe in Jesus and love him? And I think many of us would say, yes, absolutely. I think Jesus is amazing. I think there's no one like him in the world. I wish I was like him. In fact, that's why it tears me up so much that I don't obey him better because I believe I want to be like him. The fact that you feel that way about Jesus is the most pleasing thing to the father in the whole world. That faith means that you are his child. 
The Father's love is in your faith, not in your works. That's an incredibly good news. Now, uh, some of you might ask and say, well, okay, that's great that the Father's uh, approval and delight in us is tied to our faith and not our works. But Jesus says earlier in this section of John, in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not uh, like we can just have faith and love for Jesus without obeying God as well. And absolutely, that's what you just said. The person who loves Jesus wants to obey him. And that is why it tears them up that they don't. True faith wants to obey Jesus and spends its whole life learning to do so. But this is not the basis of our Father's approval. At the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned that the effect of having a strong and loving Father in your life is it tells your heart everything is going to be okay. A good earthly father can have that effect, but our earthly father was only meant to be a surrogate. How much more of an effect comes from the love of our true father in heaven? And you notice how this passage ends. That is exactly Jesus' goal in teaching us about the father. In verse 33, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It was the Father's love that sent Jesus to the cross for us. It, it is the Father's love that wants to listen to us as his beloved children. It is the Father's love that delights in us simply because we love and believe in his Son. And when you have that love surrounding your life, you can have peace. And your heart can know everything is going to be okay because my Father loves me and he is good, and he is strong, and he is beautiful. Praise be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, uh, we uh, thank you for the, the great truths that are revealed to us here in this passage about your heart. And Lord, uh, we long that, uh, to, that you would take the lies in our hearts about who you are away from us, and you would fill us with the knowledge of your infinite love for sinners like us. And uh, Lord, we long to know your, fa your, your, your fatherly love more. I pray for my brothers and sisters of Christ Church that they would know deeply your love, your desire to know them, to walk with them, your love for them as, as your beloved children. And so, Lord, we thank you that you adopted us into your family. And uh, may the mood and atmosphere of our church always sing of your tender, faithful love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.